Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Four Jack Podcast. On today's show, we have one of the brightest young stars in the Canadian golf scene, Chris Crisologo. Chris is a Simon Fraser University alumni and has been a standout for the Canadian national team for the past few seasons and will surely be cruising onto the Corn Ferry Tour next year. We get into everything that makes Chris, Chris. We discuss how he got into golf, the current mechanics of his game, and his search for a caddy to aid him in his professional career. Really fun interview with a guy that everybody should keep their eyes on. So sit back and enjoy the show. Cheers. Welcome to the 4Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 4Jack Podcast brought to you by Jackson Labs. Back in the lab again, just grinding as always. I know Parks is going to give me shit about this, but we grind. <laughs> we just, we don't stop. We like it. And it's just, it's in the bloodstream now. We just got to keep it rolling, right? It's like you already know the future. It's like I know the future. I it's feel like, like we've done been this here before. already. Um, You've already done that. Let's go over to the person that will give me shit about it. Parks, what's happening? Hey, boys. Yeah, fun to be back in the lab tonight. Cool guest on. This kid is making waves in the professional scene. He's been a student of the game. He's a student of Zoom. We got stumped by him earlier, had a rerun. And he's got all the tricks up his sleeve. And he's going to share some cool stories with us tonight. So looking forward to having him on. Absolutely. Next up, Tombo. It's kicking. Not too much, bud. Yeah, excited to be here again today. We've been chatting a lot lately. I'm excited more than anything to hear the story about our next guest's round with Mr. Parkinson over there. And on my way over, I was kind of thinking, I need to start getting into, yeah, like, what kind of, as Dallas would say, friend of the show, Dally, he always talks about the flight of the ball, right? Like, out. I need to get into the brain of Chris today and understand which flight of the ball he loves to see the most. I like oh. that. Yeah, that'll like be an that interesting question. one, and I'm sure he's going to have a great answer for <laughs> you. But speaking of our guest today... A rising star in the Canadian golf scene, Mr. Chris Chrisologo. Chrisologo, if I may <laughs> fix myself there, if you don't mind. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me. Um, I'm real excited to be on this. I know Parksy's been uh, on my case for the last little while, so Ever. it's Ever. good to be on. I'll be totally honest. I tried to. I just tried to mess up your name on purpose, just out of spite. I was like, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to be like one of those starters. Like, just, just let me keep grinding you down. Yeah. Can you break it Get down? Get you down to us? my level. Break it down for us. The last name. Like how? Like phonetically, how should we be pronouncing this? Because I know there's some announcers in the out there that have got it wrong too. Let's set the record straight. So, um, m- myself and my family, we we like to say Crisologo. Um, Phonetically, I have no idea what that actually looks like on paper. Um, Probably how it's spelt. (laughs) Probably how it's spelt. But um, I know when I go to a lot of starters and they ask me how they say it, how I say it, I say Chrisologo. And then they actually leave my first name out because there's a Chris. So then they they only end up saying Chris Oligo. And that's that ends up being my uh, my official starting name, apparently. All right, I'll go for the win. I like it. that. That's actually badass. Um, so Chris, let's let's run a, about his haircut for a little bit here. Let's just kick yeah, this off in a, fr- in a friendly say, fashion. This looks like a bit of a bit of a core cut going on there. A bit of a quarantine uh, shag. You got some kind of cloth yeah, to the a side. Little, little cloth to the side. Probably kind of just woke up anyways right now after my afternoon nap. Siesta. Oh, wow. oh, I like it. Nice. Tough being a senior citizen, right? Jeez. <laughs> the hair looks thick and lush, though. Looking like C. Pays kind of over there if you were to go Clark Kent on us for a day. If I was to go straight-haired? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's accurate, man. I like that Clark Kent kind of Superman. I mean, that's a nice little segue into Chris's golfing career. But maybe before we dive into that, why don't you take us all the way back, Chris? Talk us through your introduction to this game. You are rapidly trajecting on this winning strategy. Tell us about yes. it. Yeah, so um, my whole family actually plays tennis. And so it's a really funny story that I've told countless times of how I ended up playing golf is um, my dad would kind of take us to the tennis courts with a bunch of family friends and um, it's kind of a public park in Vancouver 
and the kids aren't entirely allowed to play tennis until the adults are done. So we just kind of hung around at one of the, uh, the field next to the tennis court and when, you know, ended up being a golf club and a few wiffle balls um, lying around brought by one of the, one of the adults. And so one of my uncles basically. And what happened was my dad saw that we were digging holes around hitting wiffle balls. And he said, <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of cool just to take you out on a golf course and see how it goes. Right. And so he took me out to, this little executive course, it's called My Laura Golf Course. It's on num- it was on number five row. It closed down, unfortunately. Um, but I was kind of around five or six, and he got me to hit a few balls around the, uh, the course out there. And I fell in love with seeing the ball flight and seeing how everything kind of flew. And it kind of got hooked on to golf uh, since then, basically. The flight is the bomb. Tom, I know you're waiting to jump in on this. Yeah, it was interesting because we just had a podcast with uh, Bob Dow, right? And the whole time we were like talking about what gets people into golf. And I don't even know if I addressed it, but it's like the flight of the ball. Just something about watching, like making contact and sending that little thing out into the cosmos and then having it come back. Like there's something mesmerizing just purely about that, that like, yeah, I want to get into what kind of ball flight do you like to hit? <laughs> um, I love the high towering draw is just Rory one of the coolest style. shots. It's oh. just one of the coolest shots uh, in golf that I think is, you know, not a whole lot of people have, you know, see that high tower draw, often it's usually this nice little high butter cut but you get the high tower draw going it gets everyone kind of pumped up (laughs) you know you you get the you get your blood rushing when you're trying to hit into a par five green too with the high tower draw with a three wood trying to line it soft so yeah those are always the fun shots to play the high tower draw landing it soft that's a young man's game i I was gonna say i've never actually heard soft involved in that sentence like let me let me put draw and soft let me put some context into this for you so i had the opportunity and my introduction to chris was at the vancouver open pro-am uh how many years ago now four maybe three four two three something like that anyway we were playing phrase review and Pound for pound, like Chris absolutely smashes the ball. And it really, I mean, at one capacity, I thought I hit it decent. You know, I hit an eight iron, almost 170. So I, my ball speed and my swing speed aren't that low. But like when you're getting pumped past by 60 on an easy swing, like there's something going on there. So I want to maybe dive into your your time down at Ping. I know we're kind of jumping around all over the place here, but Great talk to us about talk to us about your time at Ping and your numbers. And there's a cool story that I'm kind of trying to get out here. So I'll let Chris pave the way for us. Yeah, so we're I, I had the opportunity to go down to Ping HQ. I guess in the couple, last couple of years now, actually. So it's been it's been nice that they've treated me well down there, um, and then being able to get on track, man get on the you know get on the range and see how the balls are reacting out on out there and actually have it in real time you have that fitting and it's just really nice to be able to have the luxury of seeing where the ball's going without hitting into a net or something like that that we have mm. out here on the west coast um but we we're hitting these tee shots and well at least two iron shots first of all two iron and shots first who of hits all. a two, two iron so I have two iron. I had a two iron fitting and I was hitting these little kind of rope draw kind of fall left two irons. And these things were carrying about 285, 290 Sorry, with this can, little crossover I, two iron. Can I interrupt you? What is a rope fall off left two iron? What does that look like? High draw. Um, no, not not the high draw. It's more like it's more like it comes off hot off the face and just kind of ropes off left and stays you know left center basically so this is like this is like german this is like learning german right now (laughs) i'm I'm down with this i like (laughs) i'm picking up slang for next season baby there you go okay let's carry on let's carry on and so we're hitting these two irons about you know 310 we're rolling out to about 310 320 and they they say you know let's try these drivers and the guy kind of looks at me and looks at one of the other fitters and goes, I don't think he can hit it from up here. And the what what they have at ping is they have 
a four T deck and it's about 290, 295 to the back of the range. And they go, they look at me and they say, you know, he's a small guy, should be able to hit it here. And they see me hit this one, two, one more three wood and it carries halfway up the net and they go, nope. We can't have them hit here. We ought to take them back to basically where Bubba and all those Bubba guys tea. hit it. That's cool. Yeah. That has to be a cool feeling for that to like go down and yeah, just validating some of what you're doing in life and to say, hey, okay, like we got to take Chris back to the back tees here yeah. today, folks. Get Mr. Olago back to the back tee there. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Get him off the front deck. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So they had, they had me back hit off the back kind of in, I guess it'd be one of their alleyways, basically in the building. So they have it in the set in the building. So it's about three fifty to basically cover everything. It's where so, they put the robot, right? Yeah. Um, so the last time I was there, actually, they, they still had all of the hitting nets set up. So I had to tee off and hit over top of the hitting nets. And they, they said they've never had that done before because they couldn't, they couldn't move them in time because, you know, they didn't expect me to head on back there, hit some tee shots. Wow. Okay. So can you talk to us, like kind of guide us through like why you're so long? Like what's your club head speed? What's your, give them some numbers, man. Give them some numbers. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand these numbers. This, this doesn't resonate in my, my life any of these numbers how about how tall and how much do you weigh is a good start too yeah yeah so i was measuring the other day with my brother and we were like oh we just kind of have this measuring tape out that we have just to set up some you know drills putting drills and we're like oh let's see how let's see how tall we actually are and we pull it all the way up and we look at it and we go that doesn't look right we have us listed as you know five five nine five ten Look at it, and it says five eight, five seven and a half. So you're no. my size. What? And he's not a tall dude. This is the conversation we need. This is it. This is going to be the inspiration C pays needs today. So okay. we'll call it. We'll call it for argument's sake. Five eight. Say one forty. What did you say? One forty five, Chris. One forty five. Yeah. So okay. I got thirty pounds on you as well. And he's a he's a lean dude, like he's a fit dude. So it's not there's he's got some muscle mass. He's not like a scrawny little you know buck forty kind of kid. He's he's solid dude. Wiry. So give us some numbers. Give us some numbers. Some comparables. So last time I measured, um, club head speed was up at one twenty five, um, and ball speed was up at one eighty eight. Wow. So what? Tell me what Bub was doing when you were down there. Were those guys comparing you guys at all? Um, they weren't really comparing, but they said it was very similar. Um, obviously with spin rates and everything could have toned it down a little, but, um, you know, it's, they were just kind of impressed by just size as you, as you said, um, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I want to know what is it within you that gets you generating that much club head speed? Like, is it always, is it been a mental thing that you have kind of just, always push the boundaries of trying to swing faster or like have you ever been hooked up to k coach and get like what are your hip angles at and shoulder like how are you doing this um we've still yet to determine actually how um <laughs> in what song. way this, this, this is happening <laughs> yeah. um but um for me at a young age i've always played a whole bunch of sports and i've always tried doing things very fast and very fast and very quickly and you know to the extreme basically um and so i think from that standpoint in being a very fast twitch athlete i've been able to kind of incorporate that into my golf game i've always kind of hit it longer um or at least as a young age at a young age i've always hit it pretty long and it was really funny actually i was at a training camp with um the bc team and they pulled up my numbers when I was 14 years old and the numbers ended up, I think my club head speed was around 112 at 14 and my ball speed was 166. That's faster than mine now. I'm 32. Like that's outrageous. Can I just say like what you're saying to me right now, like with your age and what you're doing with distance and your club head speed and ball head speed, like or ball speed, like, there was that comment at the U.S. Open that Bones made 
saying that like if you have a kid that starts playing golf, just tell him to swing as hard as he possibly can and just find speed. You were like the perfect definition of what he was describing. It's like young kids should just take advantage of the technology and swing as hard as you can. Yeah, well, I agree with that 100%. Um, my dad always told me to swing hard and we'll figure out how to straighten the ball out after um, everything. And I guess that's why I might have developed a little later compared to everyone else because I was still trying to find my ball with it on the golf course when I was at, <laughs> you know, playing junior golf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always had that kind of ability to hit it far. And it's been nice to have, be able to tone it down and hit, still hit straight with some good distance and might actually try pick it up a little after seeing what Bryson did though. <laughs> What's okay. So like talk us through this, talk us through this little West coast swing because you, and a big credit to you. And I was kind of chatting with you little bits here and there, just wishing you good luck and all that kind of stuff. But you, you've had a pretty good showing on this little bit of a West coast swing and then it translated into Ontario. So what has been sort of your, I don't know, your takes from those tournament rounds, maybe some of the things related to driving distance or gearing down your swing to find fairways and stuff like that. What, what, what has been your sort of recipe for success and sort of define that by the distance piece? Yeah, it's been really nice that we had those tournaments set by the McKenzie tour and the candle life series that we were able to play some tournaments up here and uh, over at bear mountain and over at TPC Toronto um, to have that luxury and work on the game and see where, my game is at compared to where everyone else is. Um, so it, it was really nice to have that luxury to start. And obviously with Bear Mountain and both golf courses, it's a little different where there's a little more strategy off the tee and where distance isn't entirely an advantage at, in, some por- in some portions of the golf course. So mm-hmm. it, it's more of a game plan thing from that perspective. But when you get to a golf course like TPC Toronto um, and it's a little more open, um, and you have the luxury of just bombing driver everywhere. Um, you you kind of, l- your eyes kind of light up and say, I can hit it anywhere, basically. And so you're just busting it then, like just, here we go. Exactly. Um, it's been, for me, it's been a little, uh, my driver hasn't been as great as it has been in the past, just because I haven't been able to work on a golf course as much as I have had you know, in the past, in past few years, mm-hmm. but it, it's still, you know, that's what helps me on some of those golf courses where if I'm not playing well, I'm just going to bus driver up. And basically I just have a better chance at making par from shorter. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I want to kind of ask you your opinion on what Bryson does as far as practice. Cause he's not very big on the idea of playing golf. And I know you're saying, haven't played as much driver that could be the reason but it's like it seems like they're getting to the point where the numbers that are on the track man and flight scope and all the launch monitors right it's like if you spend enough time just focusing on getting that swing and then you can just repeat it like yeah what's your take on just sticking to the track man getting numbers trying to find the move that works over the playing golf to kind of feel it all out are you balanced yeah, I feel like you have to be a little bit more balanced, or at least from my perspective. I'm a huge feel player and very visual on the golf course, so I need to be able to see some of the lines that I'm taking um, even beforehand. It's a lot easier for me. If, like The best example I have is playing golf course blind because you have no idea where the trouble is, so you're just going to have to see a shot and pick a line you know, hit a shot. Team. and Exactly. Yeah. You have to pick a shot and hit a shot and see if, if it works out in the end. Right. And that's where I feel like working on track man and seeing all these numbers doesn't help you as much. You can know where the swing is, but you're still going to have to hit a shot on the golf course. And for me with hitting driver, if I'm out, you know, at Marine drive, um, hitting tee shots left, right and center and hitting all these kind of squirrely shots for fun. Um, it's easy for me to pick a shot and trust that I've hit the shot before and commit to it. Whereas, I haven't had as much practice on the golf course it's a lot tougher for me to actually even see what type of ball flight I want and how I think the ball should react off the club face see yeah I completely agree with what you're saying like I'm I guess like like 98 yeah I'm a super feely player like I like to feel I like to see the shot on the golf course and, and able to understand in order to understand it but like I did, I was listening to Bryson the other day talk about this. And like, I'm only bringing this up because I find it very interesting, especially with 
the way that they talk about younger players like yourself nowadays coming up and taking advantage of the cl- of the technology, getting on the flight scope and finding whatever numbers you need and building the clubs that fit your swing with your numbers. And what Bryson is saying is he's like, you know what, why would I play golf and hit possibly 65 shots when I can sit on the range and hit 300? And it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. I understand it. But like you're saying, like, how can you not be out there to practice hitting those lines? Why wouldn't you want to feel that? Like, I'm really glad to hear that you do enjoy that. And I mean, that's probably 98% of golfers. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the other way as well. Like, if you totally know exactly what you're doing, a line is just a line. Yeah. He's proving it, though. I mean, that maybe that's the argument, right? Yeah. Chris, what's your take? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I totally agree. You can do it both ways. I, I think you can definitely do it both ways. Um, it's just whatever that player feels comfortable with doing, um, for myself, you know, it's not like I'm hitting only 65 golf shots out there. I'm hitting 10, maybe 20 tee shots on a single hole and hitting, you know, different shots here and there just to try and fit into small, small places. He was just generalizing. How often exactly when you do play golf, are you kind of just out there hitting different shots as you're going around and like, I'm not even going to worry about score. I just want to go hit some shots that like I feel I need to work on i think i've done that i've done this for at least more than 50 percent of my time on the golf course awesome wow it's, that's cool yeah i haven't you know i'm not going out there as much for score i'm just trying to test shots here and there even if i'm out with uh with one of my buddies i'll kind of go out and see what type of shots i won't actually care about score as much as most people would like, will you just, if you're, say you're driving up the golf course and you're like, you know what, like, I'm just going to drop a ball right here and I'm going to hit the shot, right? Is that kind of what you're, it comes down to is like, oh, there's a bunker, interesting little back lie, maybe a downhill to a downhill green over a bunker. And you're like, I need to go work on some of that because I could find myself in that position. And you're just, you'll go over, hit it. We need to do more of this. Do we do do that? Like, I'll put this in context for you. Do do? I will put this into context. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like we, that's, the majority of the golf that Tom and I will play is like nine to 12 holes. We never play a full round. It's evening. We're chasing the sunlight. And it's like, if I go X on a tee shot, I'm going to go up to your ball or somewhere near there and drop it. And you, you vice versa. And it's like, let's just hit the shot and see how it goes. Like, I just played my first full round of golf the other day in like two months. Like, yeah, I never. It's nine to twelve whole rounds. But and at the same time, playing I'm the not, way you play is the best. I'm not like I'm gonna drive you over here. I'm gonna make you hit this shot, which is no. what I think I need to start doing. Is like, hey, here's your here's your shot for the hole, right? Like, I'm gonna go put you behind this tree. I need to see you hit a banana hook around it. Okay, so what you're saying is you'd like me to put you in every single bunker that I see. Yeah, like I would, I would, I would relish this. Could be, hey, I like, I like where this is going. This yeah. could be good. I like this. I like this. You can also put some bets down on the line too. Yeah. You don't ever want to bet on me out of the bunker, man. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tear you up. I don't care how good you are, I'll tear you up. So <laughs> let's get back to reality here yeah. and talk about. So when we're out there on the golf course, Kristen, you're working on some of these field type shots and you're, you're trying to see different lines and, and see different shot shapes and see different flights. Is that a strategy that's going to translate well to tournament golf? Is that something you're, you're trying to maybe build your repertoire of shots? So you have more sort of in the portfolio when you're in a tournament setting or what's your strategy there? Um, I think golf, you know, golf is mainly played on the golf course and being able to pull off golf shots, you know, in a situation that you feel comfortable in and putting yourself in that mindset and mind frame of being on the golf course helps me at least translate it better into a tournament round. Whereas if I'm on the range and I'll do it on the range as well, where I'm hitting shots here and there and I'll get a buddy and tell him, you know, what type of shot you want to see hit this high draw or low cut or something like that. And on the range, but like we can pull it off. It just depends on the situation, the context and being able to be comfortable doing so. And that's kind of what I think with my practice helps me, you know, pull it off in the tournament. Yeah, it resonates a little more. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe it stays within you in a golf course setting rather than the range. And you know what? When I was playing golf, not to the level that you play at, but when I was playing a little bit, there was, yeah, I mean, 
you bang balls on the range, but if you're not really super focused and have structure, it's kind of just lost in translation from my perspective anyway. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I can relate to what you're saying about being on course. That's awesome. For sure. Now, are you one when you get on the course, like you need to play for something to create that competitive, ju get those competitive juices going? Like, are you, even if it's like small little bet, you know, like I'll play for a beer, I'll play for 10 bucks, play for 10 nuggets, like. Play the heart, boys. Come on. Play there's got to be something. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's always got to be something on the line. Okay. Perfect. I like that. As it should. I mean, even just playing for like a Coke, you know, like just get something going. It's like. I don't know how kids can go out there and play for nothing. It's like, no, exactly. I, I don't feel like as competitive as I am in any sport. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll get me on like a basketball court or like a, an ice rink. We, I, my teammate yeah, he's a baller and a hockey player. Too. <laughs> this kid does everything. That's a good segue into competitive golf. And, and how did you get your start? What was your, what was sort of your junior career? Like, um, so like you said, I grew up with a whole lot of other sports. So golf was actually, almost secondary to all the other sports that I played. Um, huge fan of baseball. Um, I got the, whatever the Rays game going on right now in the Yankees. Nice. Um, Is that what those headphones are? You're plugged in, yeah. listening while you're having a pod. Nice baseball. play. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I got a, a huge baseball person. So played baseball growing up and also played basketball growing up and did a little hockey obviously canadian so we have to we have mm -hmm. to play hockey for a year mm -hmm. or two you gotta it's kind of a must gotta dabble kind of a must um and so i was able to play competitive golf in the summer because those were all kind of winter sports right and so i had that luxury other than baseball and i actually stopped baseball fairly young um but i was able to play all the winter sports and go into competitive golf when spring summer took over basically um and so i was very fortunate to have the junior linkster golf tour run by harry white um who was a member at, the, at marine and he kind of got me introduced to competitive golf and got me kickstarted and all that and i think i was eight at the time wow so a young age but it was, like I said, it was a secondary sport to all the other ones. So I never really got into it as much until I was like maybe 15, 16, where oh, I was like, oh, neat. maybe we should be looking at a university for, or for a scholarship or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty 100%. cool that Harry White, shout out to you, brother, for spotting this kid when he was eight, right? And saying... Maybe you should do a little competitive golf in your life. I think that's he's been he's been kind of instrumental in a lot of people's careers in golf. I mean, obviously he's a he's a well known guy in, in the area. And Fraser actually, we had Fraser on a while back from the VGT. Shout out Fraser, friend of the show. But he was talking about Harry too. So I mean, he's pretty he's been pretty instrumental in like developing the game at such a high level uh, in BC. So that's really cool. No, he has. Um, we had so many junior tournaments that I've played I played with him. He took us to a few of the Junior America's Cups events that we uh, I had the luxury of being able to play on with, with the team. I wasn't, don't know how I was even selected onto the team, honestly. <laughs> um, he just kind of took us out. And I think we played in Colorado and Hawaii. Great story in Colorado. Um, I was 15 and we played, you know, it's mile high. And young age, I had no idea what elevation was and what it did to the golf ball. Yeah, then and so it was a very a quick lesson, a very <laughs> quick lesson <laughs> going to you know mile high and seeing these six irons go about four hundred yards. You're like that. That was not right, not at all. Yeah. Um, but I was like, like I said, the opportunities that I had helped me develop into the player I am, and it very nice to have you know harry white as you know one of those influencers in yeah, my mentor. in my golfing career i'd like sure. to dive a little into like yeah what were some of the obstacles that presented themselves to you in your journey of like maybe a competitive round that just didn't go well and you were like yeah like what came up in your life that was like a test to this and how did you kind of work your way around it did you ever want to throw in the towel on golf oh i think every yeah. golfer feels like they should throw in the towel at any point in their three times uh, this summer for career. me, man, three times. <laughs> That's just this week. It's only yeah. Wednesday. I, I know that like Tom next week is going to fall back in love with golf. So it's like, you know, let's just take a pause for a minute. Oh yeah. But there's, there's so many occasions where 
you don't feel like you're cut out for it. You don't feel like, you know, you're, you're in for the whole, you know, the whole, the whole battle basically. Um, I think we've all been there. Um, but there's so many countless stories that I have about that. Um, obviously when I was, um, I think the one, the one story that I do remember, um, was in Europe, actually, it was about two years ago and a really interesting segue into our next, what could be our next topic, but, um, great segue. By it was, the way. I'm just, it was, segue. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> it was, golf. Um, you're in. <laughs> so I, I had the opportunity to play in the European am. I got that through an exemption after winning the South American am. This was in 2018 in the summer and this was June. Um, and so we played three events out there. Um, and I had the opportunity to play in an extra one, basically, in the Netherlands. And so I'm traveling on my own to the Netherlands, have no idea. This is my first time actually on my own trying to figure everything out in another country. And I got out there. We weren't able to practice as much, so it felt like basically quarantine. Um, and what happened was I ended up on the 18th tee box in the third round. We re- it was a four-round event, three-round cut. And I'm on the tee box on the 18th hole looking at this tee shot. I'm not playing very well. And I hit one tee shot. I hit high flare right, probably not on, not on the golf course. Take out another ball, duck hook left, take out another ball, duck hook left, take out another ball, high flare right, right of the first ball. Now I'm standing on this tee box at whatever. I'm missing the cut. And I'm like, you know, if I don't find any of those balls, I could shoot 90. And for some odd reason, I end up finding the ball and missing the cut. I end up finding the ball, chip out, make birdie on the hole. Wow. But after that, after that, I was like, after that debacle on the tee box, I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually even cut out for this. Like, there's no chance after my swing, there's like, I got to quit golf. Like, there's no chance. And so basically all the way through, and I missed the cut, so I had an extra night and basically cried all the way through that whole night <laughs> into the next day, into into basically July, because it was, you know, it was Canada Day the next day and got on the plane, got went home. Just and what snap. do you know? Yeah, it was just the saddest moment of like just I've felt in the last five years, basically. It was wild. It's crazy. And you say that and it's like you lost all those balls, but then you found it and ended up making a birdie, which is like, yeah, yeah like, no I, kidding. I was like, what did you wait, find? Wait. Like, <laughs> amazing. Just driving range it on 18T. Yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was a mini bucket on 18T, but it was just that <laughs> hopeless feeling of be, not being able to figure out how to find a fairway that's about, you know, 60 yards wide. Yeah. Right? When you don't know where the ball's going, that's a scary place to be. 100%. Exactly. And so, I, so that was one of the moments where I was like, you know, it, it felt really down on myself that whole week. But next, when I was flying out, actually, it was Canada Day. And I look out and I was like, you know, you have the opportunity and the luxury of being able to travel. Why don't you just appreciate this for a moment and enjoy life for a little bit? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did. Um, and so after that, I ended up making, I ended up winning BCM that month. Um, I played in the Canadian Open. And I qualified for the USM that year too. Did you so, MC in the Canadian Open? You made the cut, did you not? I made the cut that I'm, 30th yeah, or something like that. That was in 2018, yeah. right? And yes. Yeah. So it was like sh- shortly after that. So mm-hmm. golf's a wild game. Attitude, yeah. man. That's it's all about cool. attitude. That's something I want to touch on with you really quickly. I mean, it wasn't obviously your best showing last year in 2019, but how you were there. Did you stay the whole weekend at the RBC? Oh yeah, I stayed until Sunday morning basically. So cool. I, I had to, so I had to stay out there. How insane was it to watch Rory when he was totally like firing on all cylinders? Like it was probably some of the best golf he played all year last year at the RBC. Yeah, it was definitely the best golf I've seen. Um, but you know, you look at the other guys down the line, then the list of the range, it was and crazy. you see those guys, and you could see how different his game plan was compared to everyone else's. If you noticed how he almost, he basically did what Bryson did at the U S open where he's yep. bombing driver everywhere. And then having these short little chip shots into some of the greens. I'm like, I never saw that. I should have done it, but I never saw it. 
So it was kind of, it was kind of eye-opening that way where his game plan was completely different to everyone else's. And that's why he, you know, got to that number, but it's also why, you know, he played well that week is that his game was at basically full Rory. Mm -hmm. And for like a guy like yourself who hits it, you know, ridiculously long. A ton. ton. Yeah. I mean, that must be kind of eye-opening for you as well. Thinking like, Oh, I, I could shift my game plan to that. Like that's not out of reach. Is it, I'm going to jump in real quick. Is it ever, is it, has it ever been proposed like that? Like from my playing, it was always like, okay, you need to manage the golf course. You can't, you're not here to overpower. You have to play within whatever the hole gives you. And it's like, no, man, you really don't have to do that. I mean, obviously we're seeing it now. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to look at the opportunities and the risks that you have. And with some of the golf courses, you can really overpower the golf courses. It's yeah. um, just how the design is where some of those fairway bunkers are designed to, you know, basically be an obstacle. And th- some of those fairway bunkers now are just target lines. Yeah. Well, I mean, these courses are built in the thirties and forties. The technology nowadays is so far past them. That there's no point anymore in even worrying about those. I mean, that's your layup spots now, not your yeah, not your driver landing you, spots. You look at a lot of those older courses, especially out east and out here as well. But I mean, it's a lot of raised tee boxes, so it's not an issue to get it over these trees. You can hit it high. I mean, you can totally overpower golf courses now, especially when you're playing events at old tracks. Like you must be just licking your chops when you get to a place like that. Yeah, it's it's a different game nowadays, obviously, with um, how they have to play the golf courses. But um, having the length, as everyone else knows now, is is essential and mm-hmm. definitely an advantage if you have it. Yeah, sure. definitely. Um, I do want to kind of transition into, continue on with your game, but I want to transition into this year. Obviously, this was not the year that you were planning for. And it was quite disappointing. But what was your season supposed to look like? I mean, this was a very exciting year for you. And what did you have on your schedule? And how are you going to move forward after this season once we get through a few things? Yeah, so last, well, at least last year, kind of concluding from last year, it's it's nice. It's not nice to know that you had a chance to be on the Corn Ferry Tour after, you know, making it to second stage. And there isn't a whole lot of, players who actually get to get the chance to play at second stage. Um, But it was also eye-opening for me to be able to learn from that experience and hope, well, I was hoping to translate into this year uh, on the McKenzie tour. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that was my kind of game plan. And going back to Q school, if I don't make it through the top five and on the McKenzie tour, Mm -hmm. Um, I think with how everything else set up, basically, this whole year is not entirely a lost year. Um, it's a lost year in position, basically. So I'll be starting again next year in the same spot as I was basically when everything shut down. So well, you're validated now. Exactly. Think, anyway, you know what's out there now. You know you can compete with those guys and and play well and win for sure. Ex- exactly, and that's the only. That's that's my from my standpoint. That's that's great. It's amazing to know that I can be out there, and the work that I put in through the quarantine period will help me get out there once everything starts up again in the new year. Mm-hmm. Just gotta make some more putts, brother. That's all it is. Exactly. What, what's your game plan then, moving in the next year? Like, say you get onto the corn ferry, or when you're on the corn ferry. I'm not questioning it. And I, I believe you will be on there. But uh, what what's your kind of financial plan with that i mean as a young kid that's never an easy journey to take on and I, I, the game is there it's more just like okay are you going to re- be relying on sponsors or or even like exemptions getting into these events um i think everything has to be very fluid and transparent is what i've kind of understood from everyone's standpoint from talking to some of the guys on there like Corey and like Mac, and then some guys like Pendy. Um, some of the guys that I've come to know is that it has to be fluid and transparent. And there are opportunities out there that can present itself. It's just being wary of what's the give and take in that sense. So um, for myself, I kind of have to rely on the sponsors. Um, but once everything picks up and I'm a little more settled in, I'll be able to work out a game plan and, see how I can actually raise that money to be out there. 
Right. Awesome. And then once you're out there and you have a couple good showings and then you got the capital of your own to kind of steer the ship, then that kind of puts you in the driver's seat. Who's your caddy? Yeah, Tom's looking for a secondary job right now. You need you need a looper. Yeah, doesn't doesn't pay doesn't pay worth shit. But hey, I believe we'll do something creative. Get you all the sponsors. <laughs> you know, I don't have a caddy right now, so I'm um, okay. looking for one right now. You might get four if you're lucky. <laughs> you might get all four of us if you need it. a rotating schedule. Yeah, yeah, bud. I'm happy to bag anytime for sure. Absolutely. I got a couple. Of, Questions related to Golf Canada that I want to get to. So can you give us a little experience with that whole program and, and how that's kind of built a foundation for you and obviously giving you some access to some players and kind of open your eyes to that whole world? That's kind of a cool developmental piece. Yeah, so Golf Canada has been amazing with kind of my journey and the golf realm and being able to turn pro with the help of our head coach, Derek Ingram, and all the other mate um, Robbie <laughs> and yeah I don't actually talk to Robbie that much right. um, I've, no he works with the junior squad so um, I'm not in contact with him as often as you think I would be um, be him being one of the coaches on the team my contact is Derek Ingram and he's our head coach for the young pro squad as well as the amateur team um, and so with the training camps and everything that they put us through and the opportunities that we're given to play in different tournaments all over the world um, has been very instrumental to my development as a player, being able to see different grasses, being able to understand flights and how to deal with jet lag um, are all essential. Yeah, exactly. And with golf, with golf Canada and giving me the opportunity to actually not worry about the financial side and giving, giving me places here and there um, has helped me grow as a player. And with the training camps, you have, D, you know, DI who brings in players occasionally and we'll have a player like Corey or Mac at one of our training camps here and there occasionally. And we get to see their games and kind of compare and, and learn from them as well as having them grow out of the program and, become basically pga tour winners mm. um it gives us a little bit of you know inspiration to get out there and kind of own it right helps you see that like who they are as people and and like the attainability of that if you put the work in right like you're you can kind of see how they conduct themselves around the golf course what their game looks like how they deal with trouble and like pull a lot of lessons from that I'm just thinking, exactly. have you ever seen the no. movie The Longest Yard? It might be a little behind your time, which is crazy that I'm saying this right now. But it's like the Four Jack podcast could definitely be oh, the tune-up match, right? The tune-up <laughs> match. I love it. Yeah, I think uh, that uh, I, I think it's more exciting to just see those guys and know how bad you're going to beat them and you're coming for them. That's the best part, right? No, yeah, that's that's always the fun part. Um, yeah. I remember we had a training camp in Vegas. Um, this was last year, actually, early last year, uh, 2019, and Corey was there. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun just being able to see, you know, we had this training that after the Valspar portion. win? Um, no, this was well before. This okay. was well before. Um, but it was interesting to see the training that he, we put in that week um, that helped him basically make the cut or at least get through the Monday in Hawaii. And then he came, what, third that week, I, yeah. I think, in Hawaii. Um, but it was really funny. We had this training exercise, and we had to write down our demons, or at least our mental thoughts, bad thoughts, on the golf course. And the coaches had their notepad of what we were thinking, and they would yell them out on a hole. And so we knew everyone's swing thoughts and demons, basically, from the whole – from the whole camp that won't wow. be, uh, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So that <laughs> won't be, it won't be going to sell you know, anybody out. Okay. No, I won't. Oh. But um, it was just really funny to, to hear some of his thoughts and how similar they were to everyone else's. And it's not, it's not like they're any different than we are basically. They're not superhuman, man. They're just human beings too. They're just maybe a little better at executing. Right. Exactly. You'll have to give us a play by play on. Yeah. 
off air how this all went down because I'm thinking this could be a four jack podcast segment, right? Like we're all just gonna admit our darkest, deepest fears on the pod. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm calling it sick. That Tom's day. like, I hate high left, high left, high left. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate no, that's program. basically that's basically kind of how it went. <laughs> That's yeah, so that's funny. good, man. I like that. I mean, it obviously puts you in the pressure kind of situation. And, and someone's pulling on your heartstrings when you're on the tee box. That's not a good place to be. So, yikes. But then at the same time, it makes you realize, like, now, ain't, beat the, it. now ain't the time for that thought. Like, yeah. let's put that thought aside for the minute. And then next time you actually have to face it, you're like, I've already put that one away. Let's do it now. Screw that. All right. I like this strategy. I'll bring on the bunkers, right? That guy was telling me... <laughs> Watch out for the bunkers on the tee box, and I was okay with it. Missed it. There you go. Now I'm just you got to take Chris's attitude, though. That's just a target line now. That's not an obstacle. Exactly. Right? We're, going, we're going deep and deep. <laughs> Let's get into a little rapid fire 10 with our man Chris here, boys. What do you think? Go for it. All right. You want to play the harp? Yep. Chris, you ready for this? A little rapid oh, yeah. fire 10. Oh, yeah. First question Your lowest tournament round score 63 only 63 dude yeah i know i need to go lower tournament round though tournament round (laughs) what are you playing for clubs right now all pings um except in two iron um hate to admit it's a tailor made or it's a titleist uh zb the old two iron that you always see in my bag it doesn't leave my bag oh sick like that what kind of ball you playing uh titleist pro v all the all day, all the way, right? Oh yeah. It's like, is that even a question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. We're gonna have Chris Trotty on from uh, Taylor Maine. Fair enough. How's he was talking us out of it too? So TV I don't know. Five. Are you a hat guy? Or are you a quaff guy? Or are you a visor? Uh, you gotta go hat. Hat with the sunglasses, though, for sure. Oh, sunglasses too. Higgy style sunglasses. Is this? Are you gonna be walking around drinking coffee too? Is this a Phil Mickelson thing? <laughs> Hey, that's my play too, Park. So let's not mock it. I always oh. put shades out there. Okay, well, you guys can ride the same cart then. That's fair. Ride with Harry Higgs. <laughs> What's the range routine, Chris? Are you a guy that just goes and bangs five dogs and straight to the tee? Or are you like to work through the wedges? And no, I, I have a huge setup with. Uh, it even goes to music, so it's it's yeah, it's really? a very scheduled routine. It's a very scheduled routine that goes from oh. the wedges all the way up. Okay, only odd. Only odd numbered uh, irons are hit on the on the range. Okay, and I'm I'm a, I'm an even guy, so that's weird. Okay, <laughs> like that. I only hit even clubs. That's funny. That what song that. are we starting with? Um, tick tick boom by the hives. Oh wow, little fast you- paced. Oh yeah, like I said, I like to do everything fast paced. Bring the strategy to this. All right, okay, we might have to get into this off air a little bit. Good music. Some tips from the man. What kind of putter are you using? I know some people are pretty religious with like a gooseneck or a center shaft or an offset. Um, I got I got the ping. I got the ping uh, Voss, so it's like a little. It's very similar to like a Scotty Newport too. Basically. Yeah, plumber's neck kind of deal. Yeah, a little plumber's neck. Cool, I like that. Dream foursome, dead or alive? Anybody? Family, friends, Ooh. foes, enemies, coworkers. Anything. Dream foursome. That's a tough one. Yeah, I go Tiger. Yeah, I put Tiger in there. Put Jack, and probably Bobby Jones. Wow. Ooh, Bobby! That's that a is nice. a first. That that's a first. first. That's a beautiful list. Yeah, that is re- fantastic. That's like all the generations of anything impactful that's happened in golf, essentially. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So you got to see why why they why one learned from the other, or why one was you know one could be better than the other. Yeah, that's totally like the transitional timeline of golf. Hmm. He's wise beyond his age, I think, folks. Favorite golf courses that you've played? Maybe give us two or three. Uh, Piners number two from last year. St. Andrews, the old course. And Pebble Beach. See, this is why I didn't want him to go in anymore. I I don't start crying. Keep going. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Give us a couple more. Uh, Spyglass has to be one of them. Royal Aberdeen. Is another okay? Oh, sick choices. I like that. I like All right, that let's move on. There, man. Let's That's move good. on. Good for <laughs> you. Wait You're to be man. your caddy. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait till we do this. Video game favorite video game. Oh, uh, uh, you know, them, I'll go. I'll go old school. 
and go Tiger because I played it a lot more than I played video games. Tiger Woods 2005. That's (laughs) that's my that's my (laughs) that's my video game. If we're going current COD for sure. I was gonna say you're a war zoner for sure. The COD father on the line, folks. (laughs) Hole in one. How many? I don't have any interments. I have two on eleven at Marine. Two on eleven at Marine. Yeah. Okay. That's not a really easy par three either. No, it isn't. And I had it in, I think, a span of 10 years, basically. So one year I hit five iron, I was like 12. And then okay. next year I was like, next time I was like 22 and I hit eight iron. So wow. so par three along the river, sort of an elevated yep. T to, yep. it's not super elevated. It's a little bit of a grade. It's not, I mean, the, the green slopes right to left, it kind of feeds off a hill. So I mean, if you hit the bank on the right-hand side, it typically runs off the green into the bunker. Yeah, you are you are actually spot on on that. So Christ. I think there's actually a couple tiers on that green as well, if I remember correctly. Or it definitely slopes back to front and right yes. to left. So yep. I watched, this is a funny story, so that we're getting into it. So me, Fraser... And what is the gentleman's name that's a member there that's involved with Golf Canada? Or not Golf Canada, sorry, BC Golf. What's his name? White-haired guy. Oh, Mike, probably? Mm-hmm. Well, it can't be Dougie Roxburg. No. Nope. I just uh, want to say Harry I want to say White Bob. The white. <laughs> it's not Harry White. Anyway, I forget his <laughs> name. and he's If he hears this, he's going to crucify me. So anyway, Fraser and I both, we're playing from the back tees. It's not super long, whatever it is, at 160, something like that. Both hit it on the green, no big deal. And Bob, let's call him, pulls three wood. And, like, he's an older gentleman, doesn't hit it real far, but, like, absolutely skanks this thing, throats it. It's going about 190 miles an hour, hits the stick and drops. Hold no on. way. I was like, did I just watch that? That's like a dumpster <laughs> fire right there. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Like, is the pin still there? A dumpster Jesus. fire with fireworks in it, more like it. <laughs> So I can understand that I'm I'm sure your shots were a little more exciting than Buck ninety straight at the pin. Skank three wood. Skank three wood, yeah. Don't have that shot in the bag. That's all I got for questions for you, man. That's your rapid fire ten. Congratulations. You win nothing. <laughs> for this time. As expected. Yeah. Next next time you play, you win a caddy. Ooh. Ooh, Big ooh. prize. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna have good. to I should try be- outs. There you go. I should be the one asking the rapid well, fire 10 then to you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It should be an interview. What's, what's the schedule look like for you next year? So do you, you have status on? No, I don't. So I have, have to status. actually, no, I don't have status. So I have to go to um, Q school because mm-hmm. that was the plan. Like I said, the plan basically was to go to Q school this year um, for the McKenzie tour, but mm-hmm. that got nixed. Yeah. Um, it was like literally the first event to get canceled was my Q school site. Cause it was right after that tournament at, at, uh, at Sawgrass. So all the PJ tour sanctioned events got canceled. Oh, are you going to go to Flo- the Florida section? No. So my site was supposed to be in, uh, at Saboba Springs oh, Saboba, in, yeah. in California, in California. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I got through that site in first stage from, Corn Ferry Q school, mm-hmm. I guess last year. So do you so go back be, to second yeah. stage this year then? No, I'd I'd have an exemption to first stage. Okay. If Q school happened, mm-hmm. but it won't happen this year. So next year I'll have an exemption to first stage guaranteed. And then um hopefully I'll be able to well, I'll be able to um you know add to it after oh, yeah. the McKenzie tour. For sure. So none of the stuff that you've played with the Canada Life Series that didn't do anything? No. Um, huh. So it was very limited status and starts um, that they were given out. Mm. Um, but I feel like it's very, it, it's not entirely a true way to earn it anyways. Um, might as well go through the whole process. And, yeah, it wasn't legit. Uh, exactly. You have to go and actually earn all the starts. And if you don't, you know, if you don't come first in that order of merit, um, it's tough getting a start anyways. Um, so that's how I felt where I can earn a start through Q school anyway. So yeah, you're not worried about it for sure. Yeah. What site will you go to? We go to, uh, the Island. Uh, no, I'll probably go to California. If go to Cali. Everything kind of, you know, Good. cools down down there and I'll be able to play at that site. So I yeah. have a little bit more course knowledge and I feel a little more, a little more comfortable on that golf course. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's game playing. Sometimes it's knowing the golf course and what suits you. Right. Plus, you're going to be playing grasses that you're used to. I mean, to go to Florida and be 
jumping around on Bermuda and stuff. I mean, you might as well stick out west. At least probably play Poa Grains, similar grasses. I mean, it makes more sense for you to stay on the west. Exactly. And take some advantage. Yeah, you have some advantage. You know the course enough to be comfortable. All the notes that you you jot down and, uh, you know, you feel like it's a little more important of an event at first stage. And I have all my notes from from that event and I'll be able Mm -hmm. to transfer it into into i guess q school for the mckenzie tour transferred into success that's all that matters right exactly absolutely Absolutely. love it chris where can um people find you and follow along with your journey so i'm on instagram and twitter um at cj underscore chrisologo eight on instagram and at cj chrisologo eight on twitter um very simple not not entirely difficult (laughs) it's the way it should be not about Olago. One thing we want to ask you before we wrap up is sort of a, a, a unique question we always ask our guests. We like to ask, maybe share a story that you've never told anybody or something that's related to golf that was just a, a crazy experience or a wonderful experience or something that's resonated with you. I know you got to have a couple of these. so. <laughs> and if it kills um, both those birds with one stone, that's the ideal. <laughs> and okay. tie it up together. Okay, I'll go. I'll go with the 2018 Canadian Open. Um, it was obviously a great week that week, um, and I think my brother had a tournament somewhere in Alberta, kind of, kind of coming up. So my parents weren't able to fly out and see kind of my first PJ Tour event. Um, but I was fortunate enough to have my cousin who lived in Toronto um, out there sporting. So I gave him tickets for the week and he actually had to bus, I think, an hour and a half from downtown Toronto to Glen Abbey. And he did that trek two or three times. So it wow. actually meant a whole lot to him, which was really nice. And at the end of the week, um, it was on Sunday and typically with the clubhouse and everything it's only for family members at least you know parents and siblings along with you know significant others obviously your cousin doesn't include one of them and they're pretty restrictive on access so i was doing i had to go and basically take a picture with the gary cowan medal and mac um out on the 18th hole and what i did to get him inside the clubhouse was give him my pass. So I gave him my pass with my picture on it to get him in the clubhouse. And so I gave it to him. He got in the clubhouse and I took the picture and I was trying to find him. So I sent him a message. I was like, dude, where are you? And he's eating in the clubhouse, just enjoying <laughs> life. It was hilarious. <laughs> but it was one of the best moments that I had was that I had family with me at that Canadian Open supporting me. Um, through the whole week and it was just one of those heartfelt moments where it was like this is really really cool so that's that's kind of my story that i haven't told anyone because we actually snuck them in kind of off the off the record basically (laughs) snuck them in so i love that and he's just like look at the buffet bro what's up oh i know he he loved it it was awesome and to be fair I knew a couple tour players down in Phoenix and they were passing around those family passes to friends, right? They're like, Hey, you're my new, you're my new aunt. You're my (laughs) mom, right? Like you're coming in with me. (laughs) So I like that. You did it for your butt. Like that's life. That's a, that's a life moment for your cousin, right? Oh man. I'm sure he tells that story too. Like, dude, you should have seen what I got yeah. into. <laughs> you should have oh, seen how oh, much yeah. food there was before you came in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rory was going for the last sausage and egg and I yeah. snatched it right before. Him. Yeah. <laughs> the last slice of Dominoes, right? Like, give me that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Get out of the way, Roars. Yeah. 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 So now he's a huge golf person now too. So it's, it's been, it's come full circle. So it's, that's the coolest kind of golf story that I've had that, I've, I've never shared that to anyone before. Cool, man. Well, thanks for sharing it with us. It's been fun. That's awesome. No, I really enjoy it. Thanks for, thanks for dragging me on basically. Uh, Finally, man. (laughs) Relentless messaging. Absolutely. We'll have to get you back on once things are kind of kicking off for you and your season's back. And we just want to kind of follow along with your journey and see how you're going along. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely, hopefully a friend of the show now. So. Yeah, dude, you were a long time ago. We've been waiting. <laughs> We've been waiting. Chris, I've appreciated talking with you, learning a bit about your story. Um, yeah, I'm excited to figure out the next steps in the caddy journey too, right? <laughs> like, I'm, you never know, right? We just got to, are you in Vancouver right now? 
I am in Vancouver. Yes. Okay, so we got to get out there for a nice little practice session. Went from Ranger Tom <laughs> to Looper Tom. I like that. You know, you got to be. You got to be. <laughs> you got to be fluid. Agile. Chris said it. Fluid. Fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Transparent. Transparent, baby. That's what's up. Tagline of the evening. Love that. <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, on that note, I think that's a perfect way to end that. Thank you so much for jumping on with us, Chris. We seriously appreciate it, and all the best for you moving forward. And we cannot wait to have you back on. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks, buddy. We'll be in touch. We'll get on peg. Talk to you soon.